Tonight is December 31st, 2014, 8.40pm, <laughs> conventionally speaking. So, uh, coming to the end of the year, and spoke with a few people today about this phenomenon of coming to the end of the year, and, and for pretty much everyone... <laughs> It was a little bit of a sense of, well, it's a bit abstract. It feels a bit abstract. What does it mean, really, to come to the end of a year and start a new one? You know? And I think particularly being in the middle of a retreat makes it all the more so. Because it's not like anything, you know, there might, there might be some fireworks somewhere, but they're not going to be in the backyard. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, tomorrow most likely will be another day and life will go on. So, you know, it's a convention to, to speak about the ending of a year and beginning of a new year. But it's like all conventions, you know, if you, if you breathe life into it, it has meaning. So, you know, we could just sort of say, you know, we'll, we'll go through the motions, you know, we'll do some little ritual and then you know, carry on with our life just as it's been. But it is an opportunity, you know, the, this kind of annual event, it is an opportunity to, to look back over the year and see what's, what's been going on, what's happened. And... You know, what has changed, what is, what is much the same, what matters, what stands out over the year. And we're going to do this ceremony a bit later where we have an opportunity to consciously or bring into, like really fully bring into consciousness what we recognize from the, the year or maybe even maybe the lifetime gone by that uh, isn't serving us anymore, that we'd like to let go of and move on from. And so we have an opportunity to write that down and drop it or throw it or screw it up and chuck it into the <laughs> waste bin or gently drop it, however we'd like to do that, into this very elegant waste paper basket. <laughs> And we'll take the sisters. We'll take that back, and we'll use it to light a fire to keep us warm <laughs> back at the Vihara. And uh, so it's a so it's an important opportunity because you know it's not just about making a New Year's resolution. And, you know, oh, I want to stop eating chocolate and become a good person. You know, it's it's uh, it's we can we can give it more meaning than that. 
So you know, we are on a we're on a meditation retreat. We're Dharma practitioners. We're uh, human beings. We're fallible human beings with a history who are aspiring to free our hearts from suffering and to be a source of safety to others. And we're aspiring to that. We might not have quite got there yet, but we're working on it. So, you know, this time, this this day, this evening, um, can be a, a way of strengthening that intention. So I said the teacher was talking about Aditana. Aditana, uh, rising to a, a higher level or a, or a higher foundation. So this is an opportunity to do that through our conscious intention. And also as part of the ceremony we will, we will be letting go of, of what we don't want to continue, what we don't want to carry on into the year at least uh, that we'll work on not recreating that same old pattern. And we also have an aspiration, what we want to intend for the new year. And uh, as we do each year, we invite every one of us to say that intention and to put it into a word or a couple of words, but not like a long, you know. <laughs> so... In a word or two, we, we speak our intention, and, and everyone witnesses that. It's very helpful, because sometimes you know, already by the morning, we've forgotten what it was. <laughs> so people remind us. So, uh, and a lot of us know each other, you know, we bump into each other in the Dharma circle. So I noticed um, last year, there were people who months later reminded me of my intent my aspiration and I was like oh thank you <laughs> good that I met you right now so uh, so we'll have this as a as a skillful means tonight and uh, just you know we just had the guided meditation on the four boundless qualities the, the four qualities of heart or four aspects of love you can say so the the quality of Metta, friendliness, acceptance, loving-kindness, the quality of karuna, compassion, feeling with the suffering of, of others, and the quality of mudita, um, rejoicing in the good fortune of others, enjoying the good qualities of others, appreciating the strengths and beauty of others. And others doesn't just mean human beings. It's much broader than that. And uh, upeka, or equanimity, which is like having the, the bigger picture, the broader view, that knows the arising and ceasing of things, that knows the, you know, the cycle of birth, ageing, and death and all of the many things that go on in between birth and death, the loves and the losses and the gains and the, and the losses, and the you know, successes and failures and uh, all of that. So upeka or equanimity is that which knows the, the process, the pattern of life, 
and uh, and it can be a source of peace and calming. So Joanna Macy recently said that uh, most Western Buddhists go too quickly to equanimity. We want to go straight there to the equanimity, peace, rising above it all. And uh, we don't spend enough time with uh, the compassion and uh, mudita. She didn't actually specifically say that, but I, I would say that. Because it's, it's painful. It's painful to open our hearts to the suffering of the world. Or even to our own sufferings. It's, it's, sometimes that's already more than we can manage. And then we're asked to kind of open to more than that. It's like, oh my goodness. So let's just go straight to Upeka. Okay, let's go there, it's safe. <laughs> and I'll just radiate equanimity in all directions. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> But uh, the Buddha gave all four, all four as a kind of, uh, they all belong together, they're all different aspects of, of the awakened mind and the compassionate heart, or the, the heart that responds to this process of, of life that we're in. So... Uh, Reflecting on, you know, just in our little Aloka Vihara world, little world of Aloka Vihara, this last year has been quite, uh, quite a lot of big things have happened. So after four and a half years of living in San Francisco, in search of a forest, with with our lovely one tree outside the house on the street, uh, we uh, we found this beautiful forest with a house and a dormitory that's for a good guest house and a nice big parking lot and friendly neighbours and we moved from the city to the country uh, with the idea that we'd you know, maybe rent it for a couple of years and then look for somewhere that we would buy and then uh, so that's what we did with a lot of help from our friends moved up there and then uh, Ayajayati, who's, uh, who's been a nun quite a long time actually already, asked to take full ordination. And so, you know, not long after moving up there, we started to think about having an ordination and a ceremony and. Um, and Julie and I did most of the, the main kind of bulk of the organising. It was kind of fun. <laughs> it was a journey. And uh, this beautiful event happened. Uh, about a hundred people came together from all over the place. I feel moved just thinking about it, actually. From many places. And uh, as far away as Canada and San Diego and then friends from... Bay Area and from Sacramento, Placerville, Folsom, and monks came from uh, Santa Clara and Sacramento, and those monks were from many countries, so there were monks from 
Sri Lanka, from Nepal, and from Laos, Laos, came to support this ordination. The going forth of one woman into the holy life or the renunciant life. And so, uh, and this happened on our kind of in our backyard, so to speak. It's not really a yard; it's a beautiful big meadow. So this ordination happened. And before the ordination, uh, the, the bhikkhunis from uh, Dhammadarini in, in Santa Rosa and, and Jenna came up to help us make a seema. So there's a particular boundary that has to be made formally before an ordination can happen. And just a few, not very long ago, just a few years ago, this you know, it wasn't possible to do this in America because there weren't enough fully ordained nuns to get together to actually make them. You have to have f- uh, five. So people were going to Sri Lanka to ordain because there weren't enough in this country to do it. It wasn't very long ago. So anyway, that happened before the ordination and this beautiful coming together. And, uh, and then, you know, parting as happens. And then there we were, three bhikkhunis at a lake of Vihara. <laughs> and uh, somehow that, I felt that process, that, that, that coming together, that uh, celebration and honouring and uh, commitment, it gave a kind of blessing to the land. I had the feeling like it was like a, a blessing. And uh, and a, a kind of connecting more deeply with that with that particular place as as nuns. And uh, very soon, well, already the uh, the owner of that land had the this, our landlord had put this house up for sale. So that was a little bit sooner than we'd anticipated. So we were renting a place with and going past four sale signs every day. And. Uh, and, and so a little while after that ordination, Sister Jaiti's ordination, it became clear to us that we should stay there. And, uh, and Saranaloka supported that. And, uh, and right now, in the process of purchasing that property. Mm-hmm. So since May, you know, in the beginning of May, we were living in a rented house in San Francisco. And now, amazingly, all being well, it's not through yet. We have a few little awkward things, but all being well, um, soon that will be like the permanent, so-called permanent um, <laughs> residence of Aloka Vihara. That's kind of amazing, just in this year. And then... Um, you know, we're nuns, so we're not like watching the news all the time and up on current affairs or anything, but there have been certain things that have stood out this year for me in this country. And uh, just for myself, recognising like I've been here five years now and I don't feel like a visitor anymore. You know, I feel like I'm part of this country and and the karma of this country is is part of me and I'm part of it. You know, I'm not just this kind of separate person who's visiting from England. and it's, There's an integration. And uh, so 
earlier this year, I said Chita went to uh, the, the huge climate rally, and, and Lisa, and I don't know who else, if there's anyone else here. Claire. Claire, yeah, yeah, Claire. We're at the, the climate rally in New York. A huge number of, a huge turnout of people to... 400,000. 400,000, thank you. 400,000 people turning out to say, wake up, you know. This is something we have to pay attention to. We are destroying the earth on which we live. You know, we cannot carry on like this. And, uh, and in many countries and also other, other cities, other cities in the US and other countries in the world, people came out and demonstrated on the streets to say, enough is enough, you know, it's time to wake up now. So this, to me, is a, is a very momentous happening in this year. And even though change is slow and old habits die hard, I feel there is a, a, a gradual shift happening. And if it doesn't happen, you know, we, we, we're in serious trouble. So even if it does, we might be in serious trouble. But if it doesn't, we're surely in serious trouble. So it's, it's wonderful that people are, are getting out there on the streets and saying, wake up, wake up. So uh, <coughs> I think uh, in terms of this country, the fact that there was such a big response, this is a, a really important um, um, kind of marker this year. And not that it's just like this year and then next year we'll do something else, but like that, that, that we keep on helping people to see and to turn towards the reality of uh, the effects of our actions on this planet Earth. So the effects of greed and uh, yeah, greed, everything, yeah, a lot of it is, is stemmed through greed. And uh, you know, I said she'd also mentioned the other day about, or maybe today, I'm not sure, about um, yesterday, you know, the, the level of comfort that is expected in this country uh, is 